This is from Matthew chapter 21. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt beside her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, spread, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The cries that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you know, I don't know why I've got this microphone. I've got one on me. <laughs> Belt and braces, I think they call it. So, it's Palm Sunday. Uh, about a week ago, I, uh, I realised I was uh, on the rotor to preach. And uh, Jane was on the internet, so I said to Jane, oh, can you look what, what the reading is for, uh, for this Sunday? And she said, well, it, it doesn't matter. It's all about the donkey. <laughs> and uh, anyway, it is. Not quite. Um, I think donkeys get a bad press, don't they? If, if you were to call somebody a donkey, I wonder what you would mean by it. <laughs> Give us a clue. What, tell me, what, if, you, if you were to call somebody a donkey, what would you mean? Well, they... Oh, <laughs> not what I thought. <laughs> a bit silly, yeah, yeah. A bit stupid. Stubborn, yes. So stubborn. Let's get that one. So, uh, yes, low to respond. Stubborn, silly. In football, the, uh, the sport that I love... Uh, if you call somebody a donkey, it means uh, somebody who's, not, who's quite unskilled, uh, like a striker who couldn't hit a barn door at two yards, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, is anybody on Twitter? I, I'm, I, I am on Twitter, but I never go on it. But there's a, there's a group uh, who posts things called Led by Donkeys, and uh, they... Uh, they regularly post things about the government, who they term as donkeys, so it's always like poking fun at the government. So, donkeys get a bad press. And yet, in the Bible, donkeys are a symbol of service, suffering, peace, and humility. They are also associated with the theme of wisdom in the Old Testament, so there's a story 
uh, in Numbers about an, uh, a donkey, uh, Balaam's ass, and um, it's not funny. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he says it's an animal, yes, yeah. Uh, this donkey who uh, Balaam is riding, Balaam is um, a kind of seer or diviner or something, and he's, uh, he's been sent by a, a, a king to curse the people of Israel. And as he's riding this donkey, the donkey stops in the road and won't go any further. So Balaam uh, beats it, and he beats it three times, uh, uh, the, by the third time, the donkey's getting fed up, and donkeys are not stupid. The donkey starts to speak, <laughs> and um, as the donkey starts to speak, Balaam sees in front of him the angel of the Lord with a big sword uh, telling him not to go and curse the people of Israel. So donkeys are not stupid. Um, in our story today, we read that uh, Jesus tells two of his disciples to go and collect a donkey. The next bit of the uh, passage says this. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This uh, short uh, bit of the passage tells us three things we need to know about Jesus. Three messages. Jesus has authority. Firstly, he tells two of his disciples to do something. And they don't say, why? What what, what are we doing? That's for they just do it. They obey what Jesus says. They go and collect the donkey. The other, the other reason why this shows that Jesus has authority, uh, Jesus actually rides the uh, colt of a donkey. It's the, the, the foal of a donkey. And this is a, an animal that's not being broken in. It's an unbroken animal. I don't know much about uh, donkeys really and horses and that kind of thing. But they need to be uh, worn in, don't they? They need to be broken in because if you just get on a you know, a young um, horse, for example, it, it won't respond. It'll, uh, it'll be uh, unruly and, um, and it would definitely be, be spooked by a big crowd, wouldn't it? Uh, but this doesn't happen with uh, the, the cult that, that um, Jesus rides upon. Jesus has this authority and has authority over all creation. So this um, unbroken donkey... Uh, just just carries Jesus calmly, peacefully. So Jesus has authority. Second thing in this passage, Jesus is gentle. See your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. Jesus is gentle. This is really important for us to, to know. Jesus is gentle. It may remind you of this, uh, this other passage in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 11, a few chapters before the one we're looking at today. Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So while Jesus has authority over all creation, he is gentle, and his heart is humble, and his heart is loving, his heart is for you and for the person next to you. He loves us. I've been uh, reading a book recently. It's not an easy book to read, <clears throat> but it's a good book to read. It's called Gentle and Lowly. There you are, it's a bigger version on the screen. Um, I'd heard quite a lot about this book, and I thought it would be one of those books, you know, like a devotional book that uh, had lots of kind of inspiring stories and uh, testimonies. It's not really like that, but it's a deep Bible study about who Jesus is, how his heart is gentle and lowly. His heart, that's who he is. Jesus is loving. He can't help but be loving. That's why he chose to go to the cross for you and for me. Um, I'd, I'd encourage you if you, uh, if you, if you want to read this book, it's a really good book. Jesus is gentle and lowly. He can't help but be lo- loving to you. He's not a pushover. He still, um, he still wants you to, uh, to be righteous and to do the right things. But primarily, he loves you. The third thing, I said there were three things to learn in this, past, this little uh, section of the reading. Third thing, Jesus is your king. Your king comes to you uh, humbly and riding on a donkey. Jesus is your king. So, is he your king? Why have you come here today? I want to read you something from from this book, but I need my glasses to do that. Come to Jesus. So, if Jesus is your king, come to him. Come to him this morning. I'm going to read something because it puts... um, It puts in much better language than I could ever come up with uh, why we should come to Jesus. God's heart of compassion confounds our intuitive predilections about how he loves to respond to his people. If they would only dump in his lap the ruin and wreckage of their lives. Jesus isn't like you. Even the most intense of human love is but the faintest echo of heaven's cascading abundance. His heartfelt thoughts for you outstrip what you can conceive. He intends to restore you into the radiant resplendence for which you were created. And that is dependent not on you keeping yourself clean, but on you taking your mess to him. He doesn't limit himself to working with the unspoiled parts of that of us that remain after a lifetime of sinning. His power runs so deep that he is able to redeem the very worst parts of our past into the most radiant parts of our future. 
but we need to take those dark miseries to him. His power runs so deep that he is able to redeem the very worst parts of our past into the most radiant parts of our future. Jesus wants you to come to him, not, um, not as somebody else, but as you, just as you are, as the uh, old song goes, come to him just as you are, for him to transform you. Back to the, uh, the crowd, oh sorry, second Second point. Um, whilst we need to come to Jesus, we also need to let Jesus come to us. Uh, the other day, I was privileged to have a day off. And uh, I went on a bicycle ride. And um, I went, if you, do you know St. Ives? Yeah, not yet. Uh, there's a road at the, the, the edge of St. Ives, it's called Alter Lane. It's a very steep, <laughs> steep road. It's quite hard to cycle up. So I cycle up to the top and you can sit on the rocks up there. And I sat on these rocks and um, I listened to a podcast. I'm not one who listens to podcasts. Anybody listens to podcasts? I bet Nathaniel does. He's a <laughs> uh, it, it was a podcast that, um, that Beth had passed to our home group uh, this says a lot about me she sent it to us in uh, like the middle of February and I just got round to listening to it uh, on uh, Monday of this week it was good it was very good um, and in this podcast it was really about um, our, our our kind of um, tendency to come to Jesus and ask him for things and keep asking for things but actually what we really need to do is come to Jesus and just be with Jesus did you see the difference and and let Jesus come to us and and for us just to behold Jesus to be in the presence of Jesus is really uh, perhaps the most important thing we need to do just come and be with Jesus and to behold him. Behold your king. So behold your king this morning. Because um, this crowd that we pretended to be uh, a few minutes ago in Jerusalem. This same crowd a few days later, some of them at least, would have been the people who shouted crucify him. And that's, that's incredible to get your head around, isn't it? Why that would happen. You know, it's really about who do we think Jesus is and are we accepting Jesus on the surface or are we allowing Jesus to work deep within us? Is our faith in Jesus on the surface or is it in depth? Because as we, as we seriously want to get to know Jesus, he will uh, change us. And sometimes that's a not uh, a comfortable experience because we have to face things about ourselves that we don't really want to face or we don't want other people to know. But as I read before, we need to bring our mess to Jesus. Um, I heard on the radio, I think it was, about um, 
the producers of um, Jesus Christ Superstar, you know, that uh, musical. They were looking for a new actor to be Jesus. And they, uh, they were interviewing people. And one of the people they interviewed, they rang him up afterwards and they said, sorry, you're not the kind of Jesus we want. <laughs> so I wonder, what kind of Jesus are you looking for? Because, um, like me, you've probably wanted Jesus to be someone who solves all your problems and uh, makes your life easy. And Jesus does do that. You know, Jesus does uh, heal us, solve our problems. But Jesus wants to work much deeper in us than that. Sometimes our road will be marked with suffering and uh, pain and difficulty. It's part of life, isn't it? But, but Jesus is the one who, who redeems that suffering and, and pain to make something beautiful. So what kind of Jesus are you looking for? As I was doing communion last Sunday... These words really struck me in the uh, Eucharistic prayer. Uh, we, uh, we use it. The words say this. The crowds came out to see your son, yet at the end they turned on him. We really need to let Jesus uh, dwell deep within us. We need to behold Jesus. We need to spend time in his presence. That Our faith is a deep faith that we don't turn on him later. So this morning, let Jesus be your king. Your king. Not just somebody else's king. Your king. And three things, um, three things I want you to take away. I don't know why uh, sermons have to have three points. <laughs> Jamie can tell me. <laughs> First of all, Give him your cloak. It's interesting in this passage we've had this morning there, the, uh, the people took off their cloaks and put them on the ground for, him, for the donkey to, to ride over. That's a strange thing to do, isn't it? And many of these people in this crowd, not like us, they would only have had one cloak, only have one coat, so that was quite a sacrifice for them to put their cloak on the ground for a donkey to ride over and make a mess of. Just think about that for a moment. Let Jesus have your cloak. Sometimes we are called to sacrifice. We're called to serve others and put others first. And that's difficult, isn't it? Let Jesus have your cloak. Be, be prepared to sacrifice. Second point. Give him thanks. Uh, as I was sat on the rock uh, by St. Ives on Monday, uh, I was caught up um, by thinking of a, a, an old friend of mine, Neil. And Neil was a member of the congregation where I was vicar at St. James on Bolton Road. Uh, Neil passed away 
uh, me and Jane were privileged to be with him uh, as he died. But Neil was a, a lovely man. Gen- he was gentle and kind. And uh, I don't know about you, but um, I don't remember the details of many sermons that I hear. If we're honest, we, we, we remember something, but not details. I remember one sermon that Neil preached, and he said this, we need to have an attitude of gratitude. That's a nice phrase, isn't it? Remember that this morning. We need to have an attitude of gratitude. So, today, thank Jesus. Give Jesus thanks. Thank him for what he's, he's done for you, but, but more importantly, thank him for who he is and what, what he's done for the whole of the world. Thank Jesus. And um, if you're anything like me, giving thanks doesn't come naturally, so we have to practice this. There's an old, um, an old prayer practice called the examon, uh, examine, and it's... Um, at the end of the day, we go through our day and purposely think of things to give thanks to God for. It's a good thing to do. It's good practice because it changes us into people who look for things to be thankful for. And that's a good place to be in. So have an attitude of gratitude. And the last point of my sermon, give him praise. So we shouted Hosanna earlier, didn't we? And my friend Neil, as well as saying, have an attitude of gratitude, he said, have a posture of praise. So have a posture of praise. When we praise God, like we do in worship uh, together, it, uh, we lift up Jesus and we behold Jesus but it also lifts us because our eyes are lifted to Jesus. Uh, I can't remember where this is uh, in the gospel as it says, when Jesus is lifted up, all people will, will be drawn to him. It's talking about Jesus on the cross. So when we lift Jesus, other people will be drawn to him. So have a posture of praise and I'd encourage you to practice that in your daily life, to praise God throughout your day because it lifts us. It helps us to see a bigger picture. And I'm not just being a preachy person here. I'm saying this to myself as well because I don't find this uh, comes naturally to me. So have an attitude of gratitude. Give Jesus your cloak. And give him praise. Have a posture of praise. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that you chose to leave your home in heaven. To come and live with us. And then to do all these amazing things we we remember this morning. Healing people. um, Lifting people up. But we thank you for choosing the cross. We thank you for, for giving us life by your life. We say sorry for the times when we've been like that crowd and we've been so fickle as to, um, to turn our backs on you. 
please forgive us. And we say, please, please give us your Holy Spirit this morning. Help us to have an attitude of gratitude and a posture of praise. Lord Jesus, may we behold you today. Amen.